This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 158. I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and I'm with uh, Will Shelton. Will, uh, we, okay, so the Florida game, after right after the Florida game, uh, I had said, I think it was on this podcast, that uh, Tennessee had done the impossible, that they'd gone into a game with low expectations and failed to meet them. Sort of making a joke, you know, but uh, it was kind of kind of true. And then uh, last night against uh, the number three uh, Georgia Bulldogs, we're recording this Sunday night, so uh, I'm talking about Saturday night, of course. Um, they kind of did the impossible again. They 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 were huge underdogs. I think it was at kickoff. It was like a 25 and a half point um, spread. Uh, they failed to cover it, and yet. We kind of came out of the game kind of feeling that everything was a little bit better. And that seems to be not just me, but sort of the theme uh, among the media and some of the fans. Uh, so what do you think? Do you, uh, do you feel that same way or uh, are, am I just in my own little bubble here? Oh, no, I don't think you're in the bubble at all. I, I, um, a piece I'm working on for tomorrow, I've said that you know the, the answer still needs to be uh, – after every game, we need more data. That needs to that needs to still be the answer. Like we go into these games knowing, okay, whatever happens here, there's going to be another one that's going to tell us a little more about what's going on and a better one too than playing number three Georgia. So we we need to remember. I, by we, I mean I. I need to remember after Florida. Yes, we need more data. We you know we don't have enough. It's only been 16 games, whatever. And after a, a performance that I think does make all of us feel better about things, uh, we, we need more data. Let's let's see where this goes uh, and, and all that. So I don't think uh, – I liked what you wrote. I, I don't think we have to define it as a turning point, capital T, capital P. Uh, it felt a little bit to me like the Oklahoma game in 2014. So when you have a game like that Oklahoma game in 2014 where – uh, I don't know on the front end, uh, we'd have to get in the time machine and go back five years. If on the front end you said, Oklahoma's going to beat you by 24, you're like, well, I don't know that we're going to feel great about that. And certainly on the front end of this thing, if you said, hey, uh, this is going to be another four-plus possession loss, uh, you know, even if you gave us the, the same weirdness that's happened against Georgia two years in a row where the score gets inflated by – a fumble ran back for a touchdown at the at the end of the game, uh, you know, uh, that makes a three possession affair into a four possession affair. But uh, I, I think that there is now some excitement just because of the nature of the quarterback position itself. Maurer did a thing that I don't even think Garantano could have done this year because he's a redshirt junior that could be a graduate transfer. He could have gone early to the NFL, that sort of thing. I've, I've been saying for months and months and months, even before the loss to Georgia State, that Jeremy Pruitt's fate isn't going to be decided by Jared Garantano, good or bad. But I just think we all assumed that Harrison Bailey or, or some other recruit would be the one that helped decide that fate and not Brian Maurer. But once you see Maurer, you enter into this, this new realm of possibility opens up that this guy could possibly – possibly be an answer for you at quarterback 
in the future years when Pruitt really needs to come through, when, when the rent's going to come due on this guy, maybe, maybe you've got a guy that possibly could be the quarterback in that situation. And that just makes you feel a whole lot different, or at least it does for me, about a lot of the other young guys. Because if we can at least in pencil write in Brian Maurer, question mark, at quarterback, now I'm starting to feel better about some of the other pieces where before it was like, hey, Eric Gray's great and Toe Toe is great and all these guys, but like, is it going to matter? If we can't find a quarterback, it's not going to matter. Uh, if Tennessee can't find guys to get to the pa- defensive lineman to get to the passer, it ain't going to matter. So there's still plenty of work to be done. We need more data. Uh, but just the nature of what some semblance of hope for present and future, most importantly for Tennessee right now, some semblance of hope at the quarterback position uh, makes a lot of this feel very different uh, to me. Uh, did you, I mean, you know, you, we talked about last week, you thought, let's keep playing Garantano. Let's, let's get the, the Crompton turnaround. Cheney's done that before. Um, how, how did you experience all this with, with Maurer? Cause I was, I was more, okay, well, let's at least, you know, it'll spark some interest, that kind of stuff. Uh, what, what was your take on that? Uh, the emotion of that whole seeing the backup come in and play well. Okay. So it's like you're reading my notes here because that's oh, actually good. my okay. next question. Um, this is a long-term relationship, you and I. So, you <laughs> we know. can't finish each other's sentences, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I don't have this actually all the way planned out, so you're going to have to bear with me and just listen to me uh, try to formulate it on the fly, okay? But there's a lot of optimism coming from that change, and I am all for that. I was glad to see the guy play well. I'd rather be wrong and have the team play well than be right and have him be bad. Right. But here's the thing. After Florida, um, after they lost Franks, we were having this conversation about Tennessee and backup quarterbacks. Right. <laughs> you know where I'm going? No, I'm intrigued. But, okay. So we were having this conversation. We're like, oh, no, you know, Tennessee's got to play a backup quarterback. And I asked the question, what is it about backup quarterbacks? that sort of do a team in and it's kind of, it's kind of like one of two things. It's, it's either the juice because the guy comes in and he's, you know, he's still got all these hopes and dreams, none of which have been dashed. Right. And, uh, he's excited. Um, he comes in with this huge level of enthusiasm and inspiration and motivation. He's, he's juiced. Right. And then the rest of the team is like, Oh no, we got the, we got this brand new guy and uh, we, we better play well too to make up for any mistakes he might make. Right. So it's the extra juice, not just the quarterback, but the rest of the team. And then also the other thing is that the defensive game plan basically goes out the window, at least when the guy comes in in the middle of the game or before you know that he's going to play. Right. You've never seen the guy, especially if he's brand new. You haven't seen the guy play. You don't know what he does well. Even if they're going to play the same system, he might be faster. He might be shiftier. He might make different decisions in different uh, scenarios and things like that. So you got the juice and you got the the destruction of the defensive game plan. And then I think you brought up that, oh, don't worry, because a lot of times these guys don't generally play that well the next game. And the rationale behind that is 
you lose a little bit of juice if they've lost, but mostly the defense now has something to look at, something to game plan for, and now it's the new quarterback who has to adjust on the fly. Okay? So, right. So here's what I'm thinking. Um, did that happen to Maurer in the second half? Right. Um, and is it going to happen the next game or for a couple of more games? So I think that Cheney and Pruitt – uh, in the in the coaching staff, they have this dilemma. They got two quarterbacks that are sort of at this plateau, and you don't know whether or not they can get any higher. So you got Garantano, and I still think that Garantano's only problem is that he's still getting used to Cheney. And I think that uh, it would just take another couple of games for him to get there. But what's the you know what's the benefit of that? Um, maybe we get to a bowl game and maybe next year we go in thinking that we can get eight wins and then he's gone. Right. Um, or do you go with uh, Maurer and his challenge is that he's got to learn how to play well when the other team isn't surprised anymore. They know what you're going to do. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a big leap for a guy to make. And I think he can do it. Um, but how many games it's going to take, I don't know. But he does have more time, right? So, anyway, uh, I was wondering what you thought about all of that and which you would choose. Although I also have to say in my notes, um, as I was abbreviating all this stuff, I was using JG, you know, because they call Garantano JG, right? And I made a mental note to not call Brian Maurer BM. Right. Yes. I don't think that's, that's uh... a good idea. No, that's that's not a good idea. I've been trying to find a way to tie him into Jack Bauer, Brian Maurer, oh, and Jack okay. Bauer. That didn't work. Not have not. Uh, I just really loved that show. Uh, I did too. And I uh, anyway, that has not come to me. Uh, but okay, so but not be. I, I I would right. I was trying to make some joke about Jack Bauer saying there's no time, but I even that is not. Uh, <laughs> it's late. I've been traveling this weekend. Uh, Go Braves. But uh, anyway, I, I think a couple things about that. One, after we talked on the podcast, I did pull those numbers, and we wrote this on Friday, of here's what Tennessee quarterbacks have done as midseason replacements in their first starts. And if you didn't read that, read it was it. terrible. Like, yeah. the last four guys, Garantano against South Carolina in, two, in uh, 2017, at a point when Tennessee was still – you know, Tennessee was three and two. They had just gotten waxed by Georgia, but three and two, it, it, not everything was lost. And Tennessee didn't score a touchdown. They lost 15 to nine. It, most of his whole stat line was on the last drive where they came down and almost scored, but they didn't. So Garantano, no touchdowns, uh, lost 15 to nine. Dobbs at Missouri, when we spent a lot of time, we saw Dobbs in the second half against Alabama. And Missouri... That's the first year uh, that they – the first of their two back-to-back -back, uh, division titles. So even though they were ranked ninth, we weren't buying Missouri. That's the infamous 5 uh, to 30% chance of winning uh, game for longtime readers of the site. I love that uh, game. Yeah. And we spent all week – like I remember going on Sports 180 on that Friday and being like – I feel like people are coming up to me and saying things like, he doesn't have to be Michael Vick, but – I'm like, dude – it's don't don't even put him in the same stratosphere. It's it's one freshman guy against a top ten defense in his first start on a team that's been kind of bad all year. 
so I think we talked ourselves into a lot of the idea of Dobbs, which came true eventually, but not against Missouri. They lost 31-3, to didn't score a touchdown. Uh, Peterman, no need to go into that again, uh, against Florida. Certainly, Worley came in and led touchdown drives, but uh, Peterman did not. And then Worley, uh, at a real, at a crucial juncture for Derek Dooley, when Bray is hurt, you've just gotten waxed back-to-back by LSU and Alabama. Here's South Carolina, who's a top-15 team, and they've burned Worley's red shirt, so now let's go ahead and start him. And Tennessee lost 14-3. to They had a, they uh, were had an interception at the five yard line and had a chance to, to take the lead and Worley threw it right back to him. And then South Carolina went on a 20 play drive. Uh, if folks will remember, I was there, it was awful. And South Carolina won 14 to three. So all that to say the, the standard for what Tennessee quarterbacks have done in their first start as a midseason replacement was excruciatingly low. So, when Maurer came in and threw a touchdown on the sixth snap, <laughs> it it changed that. And then when it wasn't a fluke, I thought, okay, you know, Cheney found himself in coverage, good double move by Callaway, good job by Maurer putting in all the money. Maybe we snuck one over on him. Then the rest of it, you know, really validated the idea that just in comparison to other Tennessee quarterbacks in a similar situation, some of whom went on to be Nathan Peterman, one of whom went on to become Josh Dobbs, uh, Maurer did much, much better. Uh, the next question, which I'll research and write for this week, is what do those guys do in their second start? Yeah. I know Dobbs was Auburn in that death streak of playing a bunch of top 10 teams. Tennessee scored 23 points in that game. Uh, they, they did give up 55, but there was at least some life there. Peterman never got a second shot. I think Worley played like MTSU or something like that. We'll have to, we'll have to go back and look at all that. But anyway, there's there's... Yeah, there's a part of me that is concerned that what we saw in the second half was Georgia figuring him out and that juice and that that surprise element won't be there against Mississippi State. One of my biggest hopes is that everything that we thought about this team at the start of the year, not, not we, you know, everyone picked Tennessee to go to a bowl game. Everyone was thinking this is a six win team at least. Not many folks thought they were eight, but, you know, six or seven. That's That was everybody's thought. So is there a school of thought here where if you just get adequate quarterback play, doesn't need to be spectacular? Because Maurer, I mean, he was spectacular in the first half. That was spectacular. And then the second half was below average. So if, if you just get adequate, if you get the, the mixture of those two things, you just get adequate the rest of the way against South Carolina – Alabama's only opportunity slash don't get hurt. And then the rest of that schedule, uh, depending on what's going on with Kelly Bryant at Missouri, then is Tennessee, the rest of the team, going to look like a six or seven win football team with adequate quarterback play? Um, I'm, I'm hopeful for that. The problem with that is one of those six or seven wins was always going to be Georgia State. I still think, you know, I think if they got to five and seven, that would be an accomplishment. Uh, it, it wouldn't feel that way, but I think if they if they get from one and four to five and seven, knowing that one of those losses is going to be Alabama, I think I think that would be a good job at this point. Uh, so I don't want to downplay five and seven or poo poo it or anything like that, but I'm just hopeful that that not just for the future expectations of uh, of of what Tennessee might have, 
But just for the present, that the rest of those pieces, enough pieces to be a six or seven win football team if you beat Georgia State, um, are, are have been there all along. Uh, we'll see. Again, we need more data. I have missed uh, what's going on with Kelly Bryant. What Can you fill me in on that? He got hurt in the Missouri game, and I don't know the status of that injury. So I have not – I've uh, that, that may be out by the time people know this uh, or listen to this on Monday, uh, but at the time you and I are talking, I don't know what his status is. That's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's – you know, they're, they're – do they have any backup? How did the backup do once he got hurt? Any, any idea? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I read about it. When Bill Connolly did the SP ratings this morning, he was talking about Missouri's defense, how well Missouri had played after the Wyoming game, but that uh, everything was kind of riding on if Bryant could go and, and what that would be like. So I, I don't know. I did see that they snuck into the top 10 in SP+. Yeah, yeah. Not a, I mean, that, that, so the conversation we're going to want to have here is – uh, if it, we need to take this in small doses, Tennessee needs to see if they can beat Mississippi State. If they can beat Mississippi State, then we'll play Alabama and bad things will happen. But after that, then we can have the larger conversation, which is going to be if they beat Mississippi State, you get one freebie. After the Alabama game, if Tennessee beats Mississippi State, they would be two and five, which means you got one loss left if you want to be bowl eligible. Uh, Missouri is just operating on a different level than the rest of those teams on Tennessee's schedule. There is the scheduling component itself where Tennessee is on a bye week and Missouri is coming off playing Georgia and Florida back to back. So that helps. But uh, I, I know we just talked about it. I know we're not used to giving Missouri uh, as much credit because they're Missouri and they're new to the conference. And I know that Derek Dooley is there and that makes us also want to give them less credit than they deserve. But, uh, Missouri's pretty good, and that's so. When we say if they beat Mississippi State and they lose to Alabama, and we say, "All right, well, you know, they need to. They've got one freebie. That's probably going to be the freebie." So now you're asking them, can they run the table against South Carolina, UAB, at Kentucky, uh, and and Vanderbilt uh, to get to six? Maybe. Uh, but anyway, we that that conversation. We don't need to talk about bowl eligibility this week. I think we need to talk about Mississippi State. And let's start there and just see. This is still a team that lost to Georgia State. Let's see. Let's let's see what they can do. Mississippi State's coming off the bye. Um, man, those guys looked awful against Auburn. So uh, we'll see. It, this, it was a big, fat data point already before Maurer gave you the possibility that he might be an answer, not just for this fall. Uh, so, yeah. See. They, uh, I, I haven't looked actually at the spread yet. My, I did run my machine quick this morning, and uh, it it liked the Bulldogs by like fifteen, which I think is high. Um, yeah. But it's it's probably seven would be my guess. I'll look that up in a minute. But, um, so, what what do you think the danger is of of getting Maurer, um put through the ringer a little too early. You know, it, I don't know whether – I just feel bad for Garantano. Um, and I think this whole juice thing, I think it's hard to keep your juice 
um, when you have three seasons worth of disappointment. You know, I, nothing like that can sap your juice uh, in any better than that, right? So, um, what what happens with Maurer um, if he um, he's going to lose to Alabama? Probably look terrible, but you know, um, everybody's survived that. But if he does get through this season and loses all of them, but UAB or all of them but UAB and one other. Um, does that do any lasting damage to him that uh, we'd have to work to overcome next year, do you think? Good question. Um, uh, and there's really no – we're in uncharted water with, with Tennessee in terms of that kind of losing because the only quarterbacks that have done it are, are half of Quentin Dormady and half of Jared Garantano. So uh, we, we don't have anything to compare it to at Tennessee historically. If you're talking about like a three and nine, obviously that's never happened before. So, and even Dobbs, you know, Dobbs didn't win much when he came in there, but Dobbs was losing to the second half of Alabama, number nine, Missouri, uh, the Auburn team that uh, almost won the national championship. Uh, you know, Dobbs is losing that game, and he regressed. He, we talked about before he that game against Vanderbilt at the end of the year. I thought he would never ever be the answer at quarterback for Tennessee. Um, so I think it, it, some of it is that. Uh, I just also I, the messaging when you talk about feeling bad for Garantano, the messaging between the seniors on this team and the freshmen just has to be so different. I mean, Garantano is a redshirt junior. He signed and, and was present here in 2016. You know, like he was on the team in 16 as, as a redshirt. Uh, so he was around for all of that stuff, same as, as uh, Juwan Jennings was around. Uh, so he knows what it's like to be at Tennessee when you, at least for the first half of the season, are chasing a national championship or at the very least an SEC East championship. And now here at the end, you know, there's a bunch of guys on this team who their whole, they were recruited to and, and are now playing through the sense of we're building it. We're building it. It's coming. We're working hard. We know we just lost by 20, whatever for the X number of, of times in a row or whatever, but it's coming. We're building, we're working it. A lot of these guys, Joel, I know you're not on Twitter, but a lot of these guys are tweeting today as if I'm sure someone told them to thank you to the fans. We're working hard. I'm talking about players are tweeting, thank you to the fans, we're working hard, don't give up on us, that sort of thing. So uh, in that sense, I feel bad for Garantano because he's, you can't sell that to him. You know, that literally, it's not just what he signed up for. It's not what he experienced his first year at Tennessee. And it's not what he experienced when Dormady got picked to start over him against Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech in 2017. And, and so, you know, he's, he's from that mindset and it just hasn't paid off. Um, so can Maurer take some lumps and then come out of it on the other side, knowing, well, this was just the basement and now we're going to build on it. Um, I don't know. You know, if, if this is a three and nine or worse, uh, situate three and that, which would be three and nine or two and 10 or one and 11, then whatever warm fuzzies we have about Maurer are going to go away. <laughs> yeah. If he, if he can't get a couple of those wins, uh, along the way. 
Um, Otherwise, you know, even, even if they're look, even if they're four and eight, but competitive after Alabama, uh, then I think you can still say, look, we, you know, we lost two games at the start of the year that we never should have lost that aren't on his rap sheet. And, and we lost to Florida that that's um, oh, not be the Gators if he played, but you know, that's, that's not on him either. And we're building it. I, I think that that can be okay because that's still the message they're selling to everybody else on the team and in high school is that we're just building from here. Yeah. It, it's not just if the team goes three and nine, um, how does Maurer feel about it? It's what happens during the three and nine. Like you say, you, the warm fuzzies are going to go away. It's going to be worse than that. It's going to be, you suck. And uh, <laughs> we never should have recruited you. you yeah. Know? And that's not fair. You know, um, how he handles it. And, you know, that's going to, it's going to be key. Um, Mississippi state is by the way, a uh, six and a half point favorite. Uh, so again, my machine says we won't cover. Um, but I kind of want to look closer at at the underlying assumptions on that to see whether it makes sense. But, um, how are you? I know it's, it's only Sunday night right now. Um, how are you feeling about Mississippi state? We can talk about it more, um, later in the week. But uh, how are you feeling right now about him? What I want to say, and I'm afraid this is me believing something I want to be true instead of something that's actually true. I want to say it's a toss-up. I, I would love to say that it, you know, on the win, I think I put 40% on the expected win total thing. But, you know, that, it, that it's closer to 50 that we just don't know. Mississippi State lost at home to Kansas State and then looked as bad, I mean – as bad as Tennessee looked against Florida, I thought Mississippi State was worse against Auburn. Um, I think Auburn's good, though, man. Yeah, I get, but I mean, Florida, you know, I know it was close and close and close, and they body blowed them, and then P. Ryan had the long run, and so they win by 11 or whatever, but, you know, I, I think Florida's good. Yeah, uh, I think they're both which good. Is, which is not some consolation on Tennessee. Like, that's a problem for us in the long run. Yeah. Hey, Dan Mullen is a good coach, and these guys are good, and we have to play them every year. So, um, yeah, I think they're both good. I, I, I think you're right. But what what Auburn isn't is some – Auburn isn't the best version of themselves that everyone thought they were, the playoff Auburn. Like, that, that ain't it. Uh, but they – I mean, that was a hot knife through butter against Mississippi State. Yeah. So – uh yeah part of me wants to say this is a toss-up uh crowd is fans are interested and invested um tennessee hasn't beaten anybody but chattanooga this year uh and so uh you know this we need a win of consequence (laughs) and and uh this would be one at this point in the story so uh, there's lots of lots of folks are looking for reasons to believe uh, on that um, also it may be the sort of game where Tennessee does something dumb early and Mississippi state jumps ahead. And now Tennessee thinks, Oh, we're, we just suck. <laughs> we're bad. And, and we get into some of that. So, uh, I don't know, but there's nothing, we need more data on Maurer and Mississippi state has not done anything to inspire me to 
pick them on the road. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, that's what my gut wants to say is this is a 50-50 toss-up situation. All right, so uh, pop quiz. Um, what was worse, Tennessee's loss to Georgia State or the officiating crew in the third quarter last night? <laughs> Uh, at least I appreciated the officiating crew's honesty. I appreciated that they didn't try to, uh, like <laughs> the guy was like, after further discussion, we changed our mind. Like, this, like two, this two just, times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what happened. They need to make uh, face masks needs to be a reviewable penalty. That's not hard. Yeah. If we can review targeting and we can review pass interference in the NFL, which is a terrible idea, but uh, face mask is not a judgment call. Right. To, I mean, I know the officials are making it as a judgment call, but on re, on review, there should be evidence, Your Honor. Like the like, like it, we should be able to figure that out. So that that needs to be reviewable. But uh, yeah, you know, I I've, it felt like the substitute teacher coming into the classroom and being like, "We're gonna cross." all the T's and dot all the I's baby. And everything that is a penalty, all of it's getting called tonight. So <laughs> yeah. All uh, in like 10 minutes too. It was yeah. like every play there was a flag thrown. Yeah. What haven't we called yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't <laughs> know. There was... The, the blot, the, the ref on the fumble return for a touchdown cost some people some money. Tennessee covers the spread if that ref's not the way. So, uh, I have you know. to, I have that's, to, that's another one. Like, not, not to go back and, and beat on Garantano any more than we have in the past. But first and goal at the five at the end of the game, and you can't get in the end zone on four tries against Georgia's backups, is, is a microcosm of what has been happening with him all season. And, you know, that, that's just um, – I don't know. When you say if we leave him in, he'll eventually get it. I just – I know he's playing with some backup wide receivers too, but man, like that, there is just so little confidence with him in those situations compared to the throw Maurer made. I mean, that was bananas that throw, uh, and for for a freshman against a number three team in the country. Uh, so, yeah, I just think confidence is worth a lot more than we're giving it credit for. And Maurer's, I would think, still has to be high coming out of that, and and Garantano just less so. That is probably true. Uh, although, wasn't there a uh, series of events that happened before that where we had three of our key guys go out on consecutive plays? Offensive linemen, yeah. Yeah, there were two the two offensive linemen, and then there was there was somebody else who was I don't remember. I need to go back and look at that. But yeah, I mean, just then then they cut to uh, Pruitt, and he's like. You know, his face is like he can't even believe this is happening. Just losing all his guys on top of everything else. Yeah, and that, I mean, that matters. <laughs> Bauer needs those guys to, to keep him upright here. Again, not against Alabama, but against teams like the one we're getting ready to play uh, on Saturday. Yeah. All right. Um, anything I missed? Freestyle, freestyle Will. I need a rap name for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, I think that uh, sometimes on this podcast we've talked about like here's the real worst case scenario, one teeny tiny I mean not teeny tiny but but one kind of background best case scenario 
consider that all of your really great memories of Marquez Callaway, other than catching a Hail Mary against Kentucky last year, all of your really great Marquez Callaway memories are either a punt return or they are associated with Quentin Dormady. Garantano and Callaway, like we never saw the Callaway that we saw against Georgia Tech with Garantano, ever. And so I, I wonder if there's just something about that dynamic between the two of them or just something great about Maurer and, and Callaway, but uh, that was refreshing to not have it just be the Juwan Jennings show and to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's really good. That catch he made on third down on the drive that, uh, that Jennings scored the touchdown on was an unbelievable catch to me. Uh, so I, I am hopeful that maybe Maurer brings out something in Marquez Callaway that for whatever reason, uh, just Garantano wasn't bringing out. I would love for that Callaway from the Georgia Tech game to show up here in the last half of his senior season. Yeah, I will say this too. Um, Mauer just seems faster, quicker, twitchier. You yeah. Know, the, the, the game is, is going faster uh, when he's in there. It's the juice. Yeah. yeah it's the juice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Game Day and Rocky Top podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, do us a favor. Subscribe. Give us a rating. Leave a review. Bonus points tonight if you include in your review the secret word BM. I think we're just going to go with that. So. I'm working on the Jack Bauer stuff. It's been a long time, but I've got a lot of I got a lot of that stored in my memory banks up there. So I'll have to see what I can what I can come up with. I love that show. I I would watch. I think I've watched every single episode. Um, it's great. I don't know why it went off, um, but it needs to come back on. It was good. I watched even, wasn't there one without uh, Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, I watched one episode of that and then I was out. But it, oh, I, it was I, pretty good. My wife, my wife never watched the show. And then the one where he came back, we watched it together. And it was so much fun to watch that show with someone who had never seen 24 before because she was so nervous for Jack Bauer. <laughs> I would be like, oh, no, he's going to be fine. Like, <laughs> everyone else is in danger every episode and could die at any moment, but yeah. he's going to be just fine. So uh, it's she, it's that fun. season ended, she goes, why did you make me watch this? <laughs> <laughs> My wife is the same way. She can't stand all that anxiety. It's like, it's a TV show. You know it's going to work. You yeah, know? that I mean, was that was the one. It wasn't the anxiety. It was the uh, spoiler alert. You should turn this off if you've never seen any of 24. Uh that's the one where Audrey dies. Uh, okay. And yeah. so that's Alex was like, what? Like, why? Why? Like, I got invested in these people and then they died. And I was like, yeah, this, this is the show. Welcome. Yeah. So. My, my daughter was mad at me for uh, recommending uh, Odd Thomas to her. Have you read those? I have not. Okay. Uh, Dean R. Kuntz um, books, a uh, whole series on Odd Thomas. Really, really good stuff. Um but yeah, um, in the very first book, his uh, the love of his life dies, and she's so mad at me. And then she has to read like fifteen more books <laughs> in, in order to get the answer on that. But she I, I she thanked me later. I used to when twenty four was on the air back in like uh, this would have been like oh three oh four early on. 
I was going to uh, a a worship service on Monday nights at Fellowship Church in Knoxville. Shout out to Fellowship Church in Knoxville and Greg Pinkner, who's the we pastor there. there. Did you really? Yeah, we did. Was Greg Pinkner uh, employed there at the time? No, it was uh, Doug Bannister. He may still be on the staff over there, but Pinkner was leading the college worship service. It was hilarious. Uh, his, his, uh, I am a United Methodist pastor. His theology and mine uh, are probably not going to get along all the time these days. But uh, he used to, like the worship service would end. It was on Monday nights, and it would end at like 830, and he would always say some form of like, listen, don't hang out here. Like I'm trying to get home and watch 24. Like don't <laughs> don't hang out here too long. Do what you need to do and then leave because people are trying to get out of here and watch Jack Bauer. And yeah. I was one of those people and so i always uh, yeah. i always appreciate that so yeah. love you get out shout out that's <laughs> yeah shout out fellowship church all right so we're going to change the bonus points phrase to jack bauer instead of beer yeah jack we'll, we'll find a way to work yeah all right so uh for will shelton i'm joel hollingsworth this has been the game day on rocky top podcast <laughs>